Workers want more than just money in their career. This reflects a mindset shift in the workforce, where purpose, passion, and pay are the focus of today's worker, not just money. This from my next guest, Connie Steele. Welcome to Passion and Profits Without Burnout. I'm your host, Jacob Moore. I'm a speaker, coach, childhood suicide loss survivor, and filmmaker who left Hollywood to follow my heart of service. I've helped tens of thousands of people find the balance in their life between passion and profits. On the show, I'm going to teach you how to build a trauma-responsive, resilient, and impactful community and organization, all without burning out. Let's get started. Today, Connie and I will be speaking about how to build a human-centered and fluid organization to adapt to this new world of work that's happening right now. Today, there will be three key takeaways from this episode. The first is how workforce composition is fundamentally changing and what this means for workers doing what they want, what they need, and how they're going about the work that they're doing. The second thing is finding alignment and fit between your employees' goals and objectives and the goals and objectives of your organization. And the third thing we'll talk about is understanding the voice of your workforce by building necessary strategic plans to be dynamic and fluid for both your organization and for your people. Connie Steele is the principal and co-founder at Flywheel Associates, consultancy firm that aligns strategy, implementation, and people. Connie is the author of Building the Business of You and the host of the podcast, Strategic Momentum. Please welcome Connie Steele. So Connie, on your site, there's a study that says fewer than half of workers are satisfied with their career progress, current position, and compensation. 45% are likely to stay at their current job as an employer. These, the status is really scary. Uh, I I don't like hearing this. Um, What's, what hope do you have for me? How can we (laughs) fix this, this challenge? Well, yes, it's uh, really unfortunate that you're seeing a lot of people not feeling fulfilled where they are. And you know, when you see that stat and you actually look at a lot of other uh, reports as well, it's pretty consistent. People are not happy. And so the way to start addressing this is not to think that you can attract people and make them happy because of the benefits that you have, because of just pay, because there's been a shift in what the workforce wants. What they want is something that really achieves a level of purpose, of passion, of this ability to do interesting work. And, you know, look, all of us are looking for a sense of belonging, recognition, individual agency. And really what's been happening when, when you hear about the future of work, and what I like to focus on is the future of work and life, because work and life are integrated. Right. I think so many people have now acknowledged that those two are not separate. They're really 
they're mashed up together because we're now living in a world where, you know, you're working from home. And so the personal dynamics really come into play with the professional. But we've shifted from one that is very siloed, sequential, linear, rigid, and quite conformist in nature to one that's much more collaborative, fluid, multimodal, multidimensional. And it's about individual agency because us as people, us as the workforce, we want something more. We want to reflect our whole selves. And so being sort of force fit into an environment that doesn't really enable us to perform and the way that we can, I think there's this realization that, well, wait, going into the office and working in this type of environment, this particular way just may not fit me in the best way. And we've been seeing actually shifts in, um, models of how companies are even set up are completely virtual, right? And also different compositions of uh, employees or workers in the workforce. So growth in the gig economy, for example, you have digital nomadism, which is getting big. But, but the point is that we as human beings want something different now. We want a different relationship with work because it's not that work comes first and, and the success that we have at work defines our success in life. There's this recognition and realization that I need to figure out how to craft the life that I want. And ultimately, how does work fit into it? Fit into that. That's so That's so interesting. And it really sounds like there's this duality um, of really people wanting work that represents community and work that has you know uh, the purpose tied into it, um, but also this level of autonomy to be able to you know dictate on what terms they relate to work, um, whether that's in a virtual sense or you know the type of work that they're doing. Uh, and with that you know duality, I think um, I mean it sounds very very utopian. Um, like that sounds awesome, but how do we how do we get there how do we balance that the needs of the employers and the needs of the workers well when people have a common alignment in what one another is trying to achieve because there's goals and objectives of an organization right um there's obviously those mission and values as well so what is the organization looking to achieve and many organizations now have to clearly define their purpose, <laughs> you know, their mission, because today's workforce wants to be able to align with that. And so when there's clarity with respect to the organization in defining what that is, and for the individual, they have their personal mission, their values, their purpose, or they're trying to define that, frankly, but, but that's something that we know that many of today's workers are looking to define and fundamentally align with the company. When both are on the same page and they can openly have that conversation, what is your organization looking to do? Well, you know, I'm very passionate. So for example, you know, DEI for some, it, it, it is core to them. So working in an environment where it is able to truly make a difference to create equity 
for all those in the workforce and they believe that their organization is working towards that in their products and services, that's the first place to start. You know, if, if, and the worker who has quite a bit of that power now too, feels that those two are in alignment, step one. The second piece though, is that once you are an employee of a company, you want to feel that you are constantly being acknowledged for the work, but you feel like you're also growing and that your contribution is being valued. As a manager, uh, if you look at your employee as one where as long as they check out the boxes and do the work for you, that's good enough and that should be enough of a reward, that's not going to cut it. Again, today's worker wants to know that the work that they're doing really is having that level of impact that they want to achieve because that aligns back to their purpose. So there needs to be this ongoing evaluation together. Say, okay, you know, of the projects I've you working on, how do you feel we collectively as a team? Because it's a mutual value exchange. It is, it is co-creating together versus a much more hierarchical structure, which is the way it was before. But how do we co-create the outcomes that we want for the company together? But as a manager, they should also think about, well, wait, you know, for my employee, how can I make sure they are growing and developing in a way that accomplishes their own personal goals and objectives? Because one, when an individual feels that they are cared for, when they feel their manager is invested in their success, also recognizing that they may not be there for the long term, but if they can help them start to build their career plan for them and show how the work they're doing in the company they're at now ties to this individual's longer term career plan or is a building block to something more, you feel that there's a tighter relationship. You feel that there is um, this desire to want to support them in a deeper way versus it being quite transactional. Again, it gets down to know your people, know your people not just in the work that they do, but know them as human beings, know who they are, their interests, their passions, you know, their life. All of us have things that go on in, in our life that impact our ability to do the best work that we can. So when you just ask the question, get to know them, get to know them and the whole self of who they are, starts to bridge a gap, starts to build sure. um, a greater yeah. sense of connection. For sure. And, you know, Connie, I, I, I agree with that in theory. And, you know, me being a humanist, of course, I'm like, yeah, we, we need to get to know each other. As, as an entrepreneur, um, as a leader, the, that in practice is sometimes very challenging. Um, you mentioned, you know, the, the employees being um, having you know, more power, more, I would say, than ever. And also the fact that, you know, they might not be here in the future. As someone who is a business owner, um, making an investment in individuals beyond that transaction can sometimes feel like a bad bet because I'm going to take this, this time, this energy to invest and to really get to know someone 
to create this environment that's conducive to them really growing as an individual, bringing their personality, having agency, having autonomy, and then they're they're on to the next. How do we yes, find do. the balance with that? <laughs> it's it, it's such a challenge, um, and and I understand because I've been on both sides of it. Um, how do we do that in practice so that it's you're, you're not spending all of your time and resources just you know having powwows all day? Sure. Well, I want um, your leaders to also look at the talent that they can bring on board in a different way because it's not all about full-time necessarily anymore. So the worker status has been changing. Not everybody wants to be a full-time employee to the different companies they engage with. There are many people who are choosing to be freelancers and want to work with multiple companies because they enjoy the opportunity to learn and grow and contribute in a broader set of ways because breadth versus depth is also sort of another broader theme when it comes to the future of work and life. So what I would say is that when you're looking at the needs of your organization, you don't have to start off with a full-time employee, first of all. You have a need. You can look at testing and learning people that could be the right fit. So I've seen in lots of cases, and even in larger uh, growth companies too, as well as small ones, but identify a freelancer using different resources. Because as you know, there's Fiverr, there's Upwork, but even your own personal networks. I mean, people have threads on Facebook and so forth, but there's somebody who could help you specifically on a initiative that you can determine that has a discrete beginning and an end. Time delimited, for example. Like, you know, I need to get this one specific thing done. You can interview some great freelancers and test them out on that project such that you will know in a time, in a very definitive time period, whether or not that's the right relationship for you. And I've seen that. I've talked to different entrepreneurs and it was just amazing the way that they built their companies was to find different folks who had skills and they would try multiple people and to see who uh, went above and beyond. And they were very transparent and very upfront about what the engagement was going to be. And they indicated, you know, if this relationship works out, would love to continue to do more work with you. So you'll know based on that um, project that you get to do, which you can also minimize uh, the amount of cost for you. That's a way that you can start to build this. So it's, and, or you can even do a three month trial period, for example, to see if it's a fit for the both of you. But the benefit of leveraging freelance resources that you can onboarding really quickly versus the, con the, the challenge that many organizations have is that you have this full-time hire and I need to find the perfect hire and I don't want to make a mistake, but time's not on your side. Speed to market is really important and you need to get the work done. And this gives you the ability to try different people that you have vetted, of course, 
but it helps you learn too as to who are the right people that would fit in your organization, particularly if you have a brand new role and you're not totally sure. Yeah. That's a great way to start. Um, I love I'd that approach. And, and that's, that's really, I, I think really wise as far as the, you know, sort of try before you buy. Um, and then you, you get to understand, you know, who has that X factor or, what is it about an individual, you know, or, or the, the approach that they take to work that is a good fit or is not a good fit um, when you're looking to, you know, grow for the future. I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, and in some level um, that, you know, understanding that there's, you know, so sort of limited time and budget for hiring and the, the cost that's involved with onboarding, you know, full-time employees or someone who's going to be, you know, long-term, it's, uh, it's a bit daunting, but if it's a predefined project for a specific amount of time, well, then you can define a fixed cost with that. And, and that is very attractive. So I appreciate that. Right. I'd say it also focuses or forces you as a leader to get specific about what it is you're also trying to accomplish. We often, we're doing everything. So you'd love to find somebody who's a catch-all who can help pretty much take the load off. So unfortunately in that situation, you're not always thinking about the streams of work, the expertise that you need. This will force you to. And in that process, it'll enable you to realize Hmm. Maybe I really just need X because this area is the one that really requires the greatest level of effort and takes up most of my time. But it gets back to you planning. I'd say another tactic, but yet strategy is got to plan a little too. Like, what is it that you're trying to do? What is it that really you need? What is the biggest lever that you think will deliver the outcome that you want. Move that forward. That's, you know, Connie, I'm, I'm having uh, a, a moment here where I'm realizing, oh, that that's me. Because uh, I have been, you know, for a couple of years now looking for that, that right hand person um, who will be my operator, right? I'm the ideas guy. I am, am the one to cheerlead. Like that, that's my role. I do it really well. Um, I want to create, I want to connect and just, you know, rinse and repeat, but, um, I, I need an executor. I need someone who can come in and get things done. And I want a right hand person. Um, and I've, I've had trouble finding that. Um, and I, th I, I think what I hear you saying is, um, rather than trying to look for that catch all. I need to do a little more work to focus on, you know, what's going to bring the, you know, the greatest impact. For instance, if I define, you know, what are the SOPs for, you know, for operations and really understand the, you know, five or six things that, that really make my business run, we define those and to what degree we can, you know, automate them or systemate, systemize them, then someone can come in as, you know, as a freelancer and check those boxes. 
without it having to necessarily be another individual. So that's an aha moment. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. And you're right. It's sometimes the hardest thing to do as a leader is to take a step back and do the necessary analysis and introspection um, to identify what are the real levers and drivers because you're you're going you're constantly going and you're you're out there and you're you know um, promoting the values of what your organization is you're being that visionary all those ideas are flowing and you just want to go but just like any company, if you don't do the necessary strategic planning for your business and pause for a moment and say, hmm, what am I doing? Just generally speaking, myself is taking so much of my time. Am I optimizing my time the most effective way? Oh, wow. I guess I've been doing all these sort of areas that that are much more tactical in nature. And then if it is really tactical in nature, it still needs to be done. Maybe the kind of person is a VA. Um, VAs of which uh, virtual assistants for those who may not be familiar with the term, uh, but that's someone who's incredibly tactical. And once they know what it is you need to have executed all the time, that can be a very uh, low cost resource. Yeah, I can just do it. So you've set it up, but you now know what you need them to do. And it becomes a bit, it, it makes just their life easier. And it gives you time. Everybody is just strapped for time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, taking that, that idea of maybe this more modular team, how then do we use that, um, leverage that model and the, the gig economy, uh, but then also create the culture we want to, um, you, you talk about understanding the voice of your workers. Um, so, you know, where do we find that really sweet spot where we're getting our needs met as leaders um, and the organization's getting its needs met. Um, but then also, regardless of how long someone might be with your organization, it's going to be a great experience for them. How do, how, is it, how do we approach that? Well, it goes back to those same principles that I mentioned before. When you, as a leader, as a business owner, are very clear about what it is your organization does, the value that it brings to others and delivers the impact that you're looking to achieve. The people that you bring on board, regardless if they're full-time, part-time, freelancer, creator, uh, gig worker, whatever worker status it is, they're bought into what they're looking to do with you. And when there's a level of transparency of the work that they're doing and you're also showing how their efforts directly tie to uh, new business, new partnerships, new relationships, they get excited because there's a direct linkage. And when you're in a small company, it's it, it you pretty much do see the immediate impact and they're going to want to do more. A lot of this too is how do you take their creative juices because they're going to be part of building your ongoing planning and operations together. It's no different. Their worker status is sort of irrelevant. It's their bought into what you're trying to do and you include them as part of the planning. So it's not 
I plan, you execute. You may need to do that. Start to have your plan and share it. But if you have the two-way conversation on how can I make this better? What am I missing? Because I this is my own experience. I have people on my team, they are all freelancers slash consultants. Uh, and I have selected them too because they reflect the target audience, part of the target audience that I want to support. So I want their voice too. And I always tell them, okay, I, I want to hear what you think. I want to understand what you see. If you go out and look at information, tell me because you're my eyes and ears too. So help me build a better service, product, what have you in the end. They feel vested too. That's how you get them uh, really contributing and, and almost wanting to go the extra mile because they're a part of creating something with you, not executing for you. And the only thing that they do, that's not a great way to feel valued is just, just execute for me. It's like, no, this is so great. I'm helping this amazing leader build their business and you're fostering um, a level of communication, transparency, alignment, such that all the people on your team, inevitably they'll be working with each other, but you've already facilitated that kind of culture. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it it just reminds me of, you know, kindergarten, right? We we all want to be helpers and we all want to be the ones to, you know, to help clean up uh, at the end of class. And the more that we empower people to be part of that process, uh, the, the better we feel. That's great. You used a very important word just there. It is about empowerment. Uh, it's not about being dictatorial. It is very much about how do you empower the people that you have selected because everyone is mutually aligned around the same goals and objectives. How do you empower them to do their best work for you? And everyone has different talents. Everyone has these passions and, and you want to bring their talents to the forefront. You may be able to spot the trends in them that they have talents that they didn't even know in themselves because of you know, the role that you have. And if you can give them opportunities to leverage those talents or even put them in opportunities where they could build new skills, that's really valuable. Because then you could say, here's new experience I want to give you because I see you having the potential. Or you're looking to um, expand on what they already have. Or they may even tell you that, hey, we see you as a leader moving in this new space because you have it. You might not even see it in yourself. So I think that's a way where mutual value exchange can just create some amazing synergies. I love that. Connie, as we wrap up, uh, for leaders out there who are wondering, where do I begin? How do I start this process? Can you share with them just one simple thing that they can do right now today? They listen to this podcast and, and they go and they start one step towards this, this goal of creating this workplace. What is it? What does it start with? What's the one thing that they can do today? 
So I would say it's a mindset. Um, I know that might sound, um, if you aren't very open to trying new things and having that mindset, it's okay if I try it and it doesn't work. Because usually what holds people back is fear. It's fear of failure because you don't think you did it right the first time. The reality is that we never do everything right the first time. We are not going to know if it's the right fit until you experiment. And it's about failing forward. It's Failing isn't bad. I think, fortunately, in, in the culture that we've been, failure has been seen as a negative. But as we all know, as kids, how do you know if you like something? Let's go back to being children. Uh, or, or as a parent, you you expose your children to all these different uh, interests to see, ooh, do you like dance? Do you like sports? Do you like theater? Do you... It's not failure. It's does it click with you or not? You don't know. There's so many options out there. You just don't know. And it's okay not to know. None of us all know. Just start there. None of us know everything. So you have to experiment to see if it fits. So open up your mindset and don't um, beat yourself over the head and say like, oh my God, I didn't get it right. We all don't get it right. That's just a fact of life. I love that. Connie, before the show, we were talking about um, this iterative approach um, to to projects and to um, you know these these strategies, and I, I think that really dovetails nicely into what you're saying now, uh, which is yeah, you, you just you got to try it, and then you you modify and you tweak it, and you you look at what worked, what didn't, and then you try it again, and you revise and you improve and you grow, um, but taking away that fear of failure is really important, I think. That, that's a great takeaway. Um, so for, for people who want to dig too? deeper and who want to... Oh, yeah, please, please. I was going to add to that. And then when you try, think of starting small. I think so many times we're thinking about what is... When we try something, we can often think of the big thing we want to try. Just start sometimes with the smallest area. You know, if you're really fearful, start with something small in which you have some comfort because what you're trying to do is build your confidence over time. So if you could break down the big project into all of its smaller pieces, because it will take multiple pieces to actually accomplish any big project, identify all the pieces and pick a small, start small, that place to start. It will help you get over that hump. I love that. That's great advice. So for Connie, for people who want to dig deeper and who want to learn more about you and the work that you do, uh, can you share where people can find you and maybe, you know, one of the, the ways that you offer, um, the, the sort of strategy that you're talking about today? Absolutely. So for your listeners who want to learn more about me, feel free to go to my website. That's Connie dot com. Or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. So look up Connie Steele. I'm also on Instagram at Connie Wang Steele. Uh, and to kind of work with me or, or to understand how I can help you, a lot of this again gets back to how do you understand the the voice of your workforce, uh, and that can be done where we can have your one on one sessions to help you. Uh, learn more about your problem through executive advisory 
We also do workshops. We also do strategy consulting and original research as well. Uh, for me, I always think it's so important to give people a very data-driven perspective so they understand foundationally why. We want to arm you, you know, with, with information, insights, perspectives, such that you can pragmatically move forward. Having information is great, but if you don't really know what to do with it, then obviously it's not very helpful. So we look to help bridge that gap uh, between leaders and their employees to really try to build that momentum that, that you, know, you as a leader are looking for. That's great. Uh, and we'll link all of uh, that in our show notes so that people have the resources that you offer uh, quickly available to them. So Connie Steele, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your insight and your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I truly enjoyed it. I learned a lot on this episode today, but probably my biggest takeaway is really the need to balance having this mission, strategy, and roadmap for your organization, but allowing your team to be part of the process of building it and allowing it to be flexible and organic enough that they really feel like they have agency to add their voice and perspectives and needs to what the organization is creating. Um, that's really empowering for workers who are on our teams. If you had a takeaway from this episode, I would love to know what it is. Leave a comment on my site or on social media, screenshot this episode and post it to your Instagram story uh, and, and share. I would love to hear from you and understand what your needs are as well. Thanks for listening and until next time, be well. Thanks so much for listening to Passion and Profits Without Burnout. I hope that you found some impactful takeaways. And if you did, I'd love to hear from you. Share a screenshot on your IG story, tag me, or send me a quick message. This show is for you, so any feedback is welcomed. Hey, and make sure you're also subscribed to the show so you don't miss any of our new episodes. And if you could, take a few minutes to leave me a five-star review. That'd be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening, and be well.